tender mercies every rising sun. And I think we could all attest to that. It's the grace of God that we're even standing here. And we're thankful to the Lord Jesus. Brother Ryan said he let the cat out of the bag. It's tomorrow though. It's fine. But it's been 41 blessed years. Before we go to the word, just a couple of announcements because we're coming up to camp time. Counselor meeting right after the service in the chapel. That's number one. Number two, when the juniors arrive on Monday, they'll be there at 10 o'clock. You can still keep on playing. Please. Uh, on the Sunday at the ending of the camp, there won't. Um, it's open for families to stay and have their fellowship if they want to bring food and and have their own picnic and afterwards or the, the afternoon will be open to you. Our pastor has mentioned this morning that we are maxed out at the camp. And that's a good thing. It's good for the campers. It's a bad thing for those that come on to camp because you have to bring your own food. The, ki- the kitchen just can't handle it. They're at their max. And um, we just want to thank the Lord, as Brother Bisco was saying, for Brother Der- Derek and Sister Debbie, that what they've meant to us over these years. And, and I couldn't be doing this, of course, without a great teamwork. It's a body ministry. And, uh, you know, Michael and Abigail have taken up a big part. Joanne and I used to do it for years and years. And I feel like I still have a little part to play. And it's going on over 30-some-odd years. I think that's a great testimony for this church. A pastor had a vision to have a family camp. And families are, are indeed just trying any which way to get in, and we're just limited. So we'll, whatever the Lord has, I'm sure the meetings will be spectacular. We've been in contact with Brother Ron Spencer, and his son, Brother Andrew, is ministering. He's going to be taking the senior morning services on Saturday, or Friday and Saturday. So I'm looking forward to that also. No, uh, this is for the senior camp. You know, everybody has their mobile devices and so forth there won't be used on the camp this is our time to be with the Lord not with your friends around the world it's your time to be focused on the Lord amen 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 my hope is in the Lord from this time on Dear Heavenly Father, we have come to this little building this morning to worship you, the true and living God. God that has come in this generation to catch a waiting bride away. And for that to happen, Lord, you had to send a messenger to literally turn the hearts of the children back to the faith of our fathers. And can we, Lord, hold the testimony, faith of our fathers, living still, living within the hearts of your children, testifying your word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
Lord, let the standard of your word be raised within the altar of our hearts. Let us stand on, thus saith the Lord. We stand with the word of God in this generation. And so, Father, I pray that you'll inspire young people to catch the vision, to catch the burden of the word of the Lord. Lord, that we would hold this torch up high and be able to pass it down if time should permit. Lord, we just want your will and way to be done. Inspire speaker, inspire hearer. We're thankful for everyone that is here this morning, those on the internet, those that have traveled to be with us. Bless them immensely. Lord, may your word be high and lifted up this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ and for your glory, amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's take our Bibles, please. Our Bibles, I'd like to turn to Second Chronicles. Brother Jean, Sister Sephora, God bless you. I know it's been a change for you. Um, we're just happy to be able to rejoice with you. Nice to have your family, different ones here. Brother Justin's mom and sisters. God bless you, Caleb. Nice to have you here, not in Dallas, Texas, where it's hot and baking. We just have nice, balmy, sunny weather here in British Columbia. It never rains. We enjoy the presence of the SON. There's never a cloudy day in His presence. Never one. Amen. Second Chronicles, chapter 32. I'm sorry, what did I say? I didn't say anything? Okay. Just want to make sure. Second Chronicles, chapter 32. I didn't bring any extra material this morning. I got told I was a long-winded preacher. <laughs> but I do want to thank all those that have sent emails and texts over this last little while. It always encourages a preacher. Those on the Internet, thank you and God bless you. We just want to do our part in whatever we can do for the kingdom of God. Second Chronicles chapter 32, verse 1. And after these things, uh, the establishment thereof, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came, entered into Judah, and encamped against the fenced cities, and thought to win him for himself. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. You may have your seat. Sounds like the devil himself, doesn't it? You know, the devil has a plan, but we have a greater plan. And, we, you know, there's one thing to um, preach high things or things that are maybe uh, tantalizing our intellect and different things like that, but there's always, it's wonderful when the word can be applied to our everyday life. And we can take these principles and take the opening of the word and, and that God can... Put it together that you might be edified and strengthened in his glorious love divine. So we're looking at uh, 2 Chronicles 32 and we're looking at a situation where the enemy has encircled Jerusalem. And, and it always, you know, Satan has his greatest boast when he thinks he has the upper hand. It's true. And he tries to ramrod and he tries to tell you certain things and tell you you can't make it, tell you you can't be healed, 
Tell you you can't have your children. Tell him you can't have your wife sitting beside you. Tell him you can't have your husband. I want you to tell the devil something else. I claim them in the name of Jesus Christ. We are a church that is alive. We're not a dead denomination. We're not a, we're not a gathering of a cult. We are believers that believe the Bible. We believe it as it's often said. People say, well, they believe it from cover to cover, but they will throw out Malachi 4. You have to take all the Bible. And if you say you believe it, believe every scripture. And if you don't believe it, ask God to help you believe it and increase your faith. Or, Lord, do something for me that your word would become more alive to me. Now, here is Ezekiel. Here is a king. Here is a kingdom that's been encompassed about by the devil. Now, I want you to understand the word Sennacherib means the God of sin. Can you imagine naming your child the God of sin? Well, we know that there is a God of truth, of love, and mercy. And so now faith is in combat with Satan, just as you are this morning. And so then if God can watch over Jerusalem in the Old Testament, surely he can watch over the new Jerusalem today. Can you say amen? Don't look around the room. Just focus right here. We're not going to have a long service. Just focus. Focus, saints. These are silly things that we have distract people. If something isn't happening quickly to get your attention, and that, is this, that has been the trick of Satan in your devices. You've got to look at your thing. As soon as it buzzes, you've got to look at it. You look at the Word of God. Peter said, you look on me. It wasn't him as a man. He's, he was now living or tabernacling the Word. We come to church to hear the Word. Is everybody good with that? So can you give me, just give me a few minutes and we'll just cover the Word of God. We're not going to let Satan's devices distract us from thus saith the Lord. You've had it. Saints, as soon as you go out this door, I know my emails, I know my texts, they just drive me crazy. And you don't drive me crazy, just the texting does. I would prefer a smoke signal. They're quieter. But... It, it's, it's a distraction, and we get brought up into it, and we get used to it. We let our children distract us, a movement in the church. All of a sudden, all, all the heads are moving. This is the Word. And we're going to take something from the Word, because saints of God, listen. The Word of God is here to transport us, to change us, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Brother Bram said the rapture is just one more revelation. If you've had revelation, it's just one more. So that's why the prophet said you need to pray for revelation more than anything else. Lord, give me a revelation this morning. Not just Brother Tom speaking the Word. Let me see it in the Word of God myself. Be strong. And here's the encouragement back from Hezekiah. Do not look at the circumstance. Oh, but the devil, he has conquered every kingdom. That's what? He conquered every country, every kingdom. But he's not going to conquer this kingdom. 
So the Bible says here that we'll just go down a bit in verse um, uh, 6. And the Bible says that he set captains of war over the people and gathered them together in the street, in the gate of the city. And he spake comfortably, saying, comfortably, saying, he was going to encourage them in the faith. Be strong. Sister St. John, be strong. Be courageous. That's why you're here. You're fighting the devil and you've already won. And you might as well say that wherever you are right now. I've been fighting the devil, but I've already won. Amen. I'm going to pray that my husband have a revival. I'm going to pray that my wife has a revival. Well, you say, well, Brother Tom, you're talking about a revival of Pentecost. I'm talking about a revival of the Word of God in your soul. He spoke comfortably to them. He was encouraging them, Brother Sam, be strong, be courageous. I don't care if Satan's got everybody, but he ain't going to get you. Amen. I can stand and test by the grace of God after 41 years. I'm standing here, 43 years in the faith, 41 years married. Well, are you weaker or are you stronger? I got to testify. I was one, I was young once, but now I'm old. But I've never seen God's seed begging bread. God has given us a storehouse of His Word, and we're stronger now in the Word than we were back then. We might have strength in our youth, but now we have strength in the Lord. Be strong. Be courageous. Don't ever be afraid. Don't ever be afraid. Don't be dismayed for the king of Assyria, nor for all the multitude of those 200,000 supernatural demons. Don't you even be concerned about that. Don't you be concerned. Because there's more for us. How many quotes do you want where Brother Bram said the angels of God are all over this building? How many times does he say they've encircled this building? How many times does he say the angel, the captain of the Lord of hosts, is present amongst his people? I must believe that God is here this morning. And he's the conqueror, the king of Assyria. For all the multitude that is with him, there be more for us. More for me. Than with him. With him is the arm of flesh. I want you to notice this now. With him is the arm of flesh. But with us is the Lord our God to help us. Come on. Help us. In what kind of situation? Any kind of situation. Any kind of trouble. The Lord our God is with us. And to fight whose battle? Our battle. But I want you to notice this statement here. 
And the people rested themselves on the words of Hezekiah, the king of Judah. I want you to note that because that's going to be the title. We're resting on the word of King Jesus. Can I hear an amen? They were in a battle, saints, and there's a battle shout going out. And they rested in the word of Hezekiah the king. And I'm resting on thus saith the Lord of our King Jesus that has come in this generation that is fighting your battle this morning. And the only reason why you're still fighting it, you're holding on to it. Let God fight your battle. Let God fight your battle. Who said this was going to be a picnic? Who said this is just going to be strolling through the park? This is not strolling through the park. This is fighting for your soul. This is fighting for your children. This is fighting for one another. Do I hear an amen in the balcony? Amen. We're fighting. Israel's fighting today for their land. They're making their declaration of independence. They penned it out this week, this last month. They're making a statement. This is where we are and who we are. And we don't care what the world thinks of us. Come on. Come on. Where is our Patrick Henrys? Where is our George Washington? We need to make a declaration. Satan, you can't have this church. You can't have my family. You can't have nothing. You have a part to play. And don't look at me as though I'm, I'm some guy with three eyeballs. I would, I would rather you say an amen than fall asleep. I'd like to see you say amen and rally around the Word of God. You say, well, that's not my nature. Well, that's, that's fine. That's fine. If it's not your nature, I feel bad for you. Surely there's one amen. The Bible says heaven's going to be filled with His praise. You will praise Him there. I might as well praise Him here. Brother Graham said, what you are here is what you're going to be over there. I don't know about you, but I just give me one part of the, of the throne. Just give me one place where I can bow at His feet and give Him praise. Jesus still sets free. Jesus still delivers. Amen. We're not sitting back, saints. Just say, well, the science says he has this condition. I deny that. The psychologist said, this is the way she's going to be because that's the way she's going to be. I deny them. Even the prophet said, psychologists are seeing psychologists. And we put so much weight in that. I want you to stand here and say, I'm resting on the words of King Jesus. If they can rest on the words of a man and conquer the devil, surely you can rest on the word of God. I'm consumed with his saints. God's called a bride to take her position. This is not now, this is not Eden where the serpent got Eve. It's already previsioned. And God has made provision. 
He has given us the word to conquer Satan in Satan's Eden. And if you're not conquering him, you're not eating the word. Because the word conquers the devil. Amen. The people rested themselves upon the word of Hezekiah, king of Judah. But I want you to remember this before we get into it. He was an upright man. He was a godly man. He threw out the gods of his fathers. Come on, I'm looking at godly men right here. You threw out the gods of Hollywood, sports, everything there was. We don't care who won the World Cup. And Milko, you've come a long way. He said, I don't even know who won. That's good. But the world's caught up in it. That's why it's called the World Cup. South America's in the doldrums because none of their teams made it. Hmm? And who would have thunk? Croatia and France. But they're caught up in that. They're caught up in 12 boys in one coach in a cave. The world was captivated. Now, I I just want you to stay with me on this thought. The world was captivated on 12 boys and one coach. The whole world was worried that 12 boys and a coach were going to die. Come on. Just be honest, you were too. I was. I was concerned for their welfare. It was made known. But to think the whole world was concerned about the 12, but they're not worried about the 6 billion. They can worry about 12 boys, but they're not worried about their own salvation. Because they've trusted on words of men. That said, hey, you can believe anything you want and you're going to heaven. You can go down any path you want. Hinduism, Buddhism, whateverism. But let me tell you this morning, there's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. There is no way. No other door. Then if the world's concerned about 12, let's get concerned about one another. Oh, we got that turned around real quick, right? Well, that's just brother so-and-so's family and that's sister so-and-so's family. Don't you be self-narcissistic in this age. That is a demon that's out there. That's not in the household of faith. You be concerned with one another. Hezekiah was concerned of Jerusalem. Surely we should be concerned about this new Jerusalem. By believing on a godly man's word. They believed on him. Job believed on the word of God. Brother Bram said he solemnly rested on the word of God. If this church, come on church, I'm going to call you bride, church. If this bride, if this church would ever get to that place to where they could solemnly rest upon God's eternal word to be true. He said, what a difference it would make. 
What a difference it would make if you solemnly trusted on the Word of God, did not look at your situation. You've been liberated. He has healed your broken heart. He has set the captive free. And you might as well rejoice in your freedom. Then if Job rested solemnly on the Word of God, how different would this church be? There would be a joy. Have you ever seen anybody with joy? Huh? <laughs> you see somebody with joy. You know, they can't even hide it. They can't hide their joy. Brother Bram said, if you rest solemnly on the Word of God like Job did, he said it would be different because you would be filled with joy. Oh my. No, I don't have to. Okay. Then you're not resting solemnly on the Word of God. Why didn't you say, I want to? Rather than, I don't have to. Just say, I want to rest solemnly on the Word of God. It would bring more power to the church. Glory. Why? Because God said so and that settles it. Amen. It's not now concocting, well, I've got to have victory. I've got to show the people I'm happy. I've got to do this. No, it's automatic. It's automatic. It's automatic I want to come to church. It's automatic I want to give the Lord all the glory. It's automatic I'll give Him the sacrifice of praise. Amen. Didn't the priests offer sacrifices? And the Bible says you're kings and priests of God. Are we kings and priests? Are we a holy nation? Are we a royal people? Then it's incumbent upon us as they gave sacrifices in the Old Testament that we would give Him. You say, I don't feel like it. Sacrifice doesn't mean you don't you feel like it. We marvel at the liberty of Pentecost and how people jumped up and they all that ran. It doesn't mean we're bound and sit down. It doesn't mean we're bound and we're quiet as church mice. That's Presbyterianism. Oh no, no, maybe United Church. I can talk about the United Church. No. We aren't that either. We are God's children. And God has a great bouquet, and that's exactly right. But you know, saints of God, I had three different boys. I had three boys, all different natures and characters. They all like to eat. Mm-hmm. They, my pocketbook will tell you. And now they have sons. They are vacuum cleaners. But they love to eat. Oh, well, they come over to grandma's. Where's the food? Huh? Where's the food? It's no question. They don't want to do anything else. What have we got today? What are we eating today? That's the way we should be at church. I come to eat from the Word of God. We're eating off the body word of the Son of Man. May the revelation of that Word strike me. We're feasting on the manna. We're feasting on God. Why? As we've been saying, and I, I you know, don't want to keep on repeating myself, but this is going to be probably my last service on it, and I just want to clinch the nail real good. Brother Ram said, how do we come stable then? 
How do we become stable? He says, once a man catches the vision of an invisible God. Once a man catches the vision of an invisible God and know that he's always present. There's something that stabilizes his thinking. Not destabilize, it stabilizes him. Well, let me help you. I always save this for later, but I've used it before, but I thought it was uh, applicable to this morning. Brother Bram said, looking to the unseen, when a man catches the vision of an unseen God, an invisible God, a God that's present with him, I'll be with you even in you to the end of the world. When you catch that vision, it stabilizes your thinking. It stabilizes your actions. What you do and what you say and how you feel. Because you realize God is with me. And God with me makes all things possible. That stabilizes the people. How many believe this message? How many believe Brother Bram's Malachi 4? How many believe an angel addressed that prophet? All of us believe that. Praise the Lord. Then when Brother Bram says in the message called the unseen, recognizing there's an unseen God with you. Here is he in the unseen realm. He says, now, won't you just come on down here? Come on down here. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit takes over him. Takes over him. He said, I am the Lord that raised Christ from the dead. That was not William Branham. That was the God in William Branham. You with me? I'm the one that set the Holy Ghost. I'm the one that gave the promise. Brother Branham has nothing to do with this. He's just surrendered his life to me. I'm using his spirit. I'm talking through his lips. That's me. I am the Lord. This should stabilize your thinking. Stabilize your action. Brother Andrew, this is everything. If God wasn't with that man, who was? People want to slander it. They want to put it down. Because they can't live it. They can't live it. When you start putting one another down, they're jealous of your walk. It's no different than Cain killing Abel. Jealousy. So then they've got to make you look bad. So they look good. So they spend the rest of their lives dishing out garbage. But let me ask you a question. Where's their life going? Where's their children today? And you can stand here and say, praise be to God. I'm under the token of the blood of the Lamb. And I have my children. You claim them, saints. You realize it was not William Branham. That was God using his spirit. God using his lips. So now let me ask you, was it William Branham preaching to you or was it God? But people have a problem. He still was a man. 
See, they can't differentiate between man and God. One side says he's God. Wrong. One man says he's all man. Wrong. He's God-man. We're talking about Jesus. God-man. And then God in this generation redeems a son of God. Redeems him by the blood of the Lamb. As Brother Brown said, my daddy was a drunkard. Huh? And God redeems him. And so lives the word. People misinterpret him. Oh my, we've got a long ways to go. We've got a long ways to go. But he put it, he put it straight on Bruce Serpent. He put it very straight. I am not Jesus Christ. He says, sir, you to make me Jesus Christ makes me antichrist. Don't let that spirit try and get a hold. Don't let that spirit come amongst the church of the living God. We know I have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And if, if the children of Israel could listen to King Hezekiah, and he stood on his word, the outcome for King, uh, Sennacherib was not good. Why? Because he trusted in the Lord. Praise the Lord. Once a man or a woman catches this vision. See, we're, we're, we are so... Um, and I find myself this way. And I have to keep on rebuking myself. We cherry pick quotes. Because the computer makes it easy that way. And then you got to watch how you put the quote with the quote. Because people do that and they go off on doctrines. So if you're going to major on a quote, why don't you read the whole book? Why don't you just read the whole book, saints? Don't major on one thought and then try and scatter a thought. You stay with thus saith the Lord. And listen to how he says it. People get so dogmatic at a time where Brother Ram's just talking like this. And then when he's trying to bring it, comes across forceful, it's forceful, they don't even say nothing about it. I love, here's the golden nugget that I've had for 43 years. Pastor preached back in the house. Major on what Brother Brennan majored on. And minor what he minored on. So when you catch the vision of an invisible God. And know that he's always present. There's something that stabilizes the man's thinking. Stabilizes his actions. In the time of distress and trouble. You, the thing of it is, you don't know when Sennacherib's coming. You hear it about it over maybe at that church or over that family. And you're never quite aware that he's coming down to your address. But I want you to let the devil know, I know you're coming and I'm fortified. Because I'm resting on, thus saith the Lord of King Jesus. Michael, you are an invincible army. Man, you're looking dashing this morning. Some of these young fellows, thin trim, it reminds me of my youth. We're going back to that. I'm not looking at anybody when I say that either. 
We're going back to that. Just think about it. The world, the best they're going to know is right here. The best they're going to know. And the prophet turns around and says, this is the worst we're going to know. And if this is bad, what's heaven going to be? This is heaven to me. To be amongst the church of the living God, the redeemed of God, rejoicing around the word of God. This is like heaven to me. Right, Henry? It's just like heaven. Hasn't changed, has it, Brother Henry? Not one bit. So why are we preaching this way? Can turn to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Verse 12. Everybody, everybody there? Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Maybe you want to read that to yourself. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So Paul goes on to say, read, let's verse, read verse 13. But, what do we do? Exhort one another once a week. Brother Victor, this could be your scripture. You can put that on every one of your texts to me. He exhorts me daily. But exhort one another. What does it say? Daily. Daily. While it's yet called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. What are you to do? Exhort one another daily. Brother, what are you doing? Listen, listen. The teenagers have a weird sense of camaraderie. Weird. Did you know so-and-so's doing that? Yeah. Well, what did you do? Nothing. What? That's, I'm, that's not even Bible. A lot of people don't want to exhort one another daily because they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Sometimes feelings need to get hurt, not maliciously. We're not talking malicious hurt. We're talking, you can say even a word in kind and people take it negative. I've talked to many people. Talk to them, I know, oh, this, this so, situation, they carry their emotions on their sleeve, so I have to be real careful. And then get away and I hear that, boy, I went, they, Brother Tom went upside, downside, the other side. I go, I wasn't in that room then. Where'd that come from? But we are to encourage one another comfortably. We read that. We're to exhort one another comfortably. Encourage them in the faith. So then Paul writes here, but exhort one another daily well it is today. Can we take a look at, not that I'm a Greek scholar, heaven to bid, I'm not. Forbid, I'm not. But I like to look up certain things. I'm not, I'm not somebody that's a theologian either. 
but I just love the Word of God. Paracleo. Kaleo. I know I'm saying it wrong. To exhort one another means to encourage or strengthen. So then if you look at it in, then in its true form, it's in a present imperative, which is a command to do continually. So now Paul is commanding us, not just, oh, I'll do it when I feel like it. He's commanding us to do it daily. It is a present imperative, which is a command to continually take encouragement from one another. Why? Why are we to do that? Is that a good question? That sounds like a logical question when we're looking at a situation such as this. Why should we do that, Matthew? Why would it say that then? If we are to exhort one another, help one another, encourage one another. Why? This is, not, this is not school. You're not, you don't have to say a wrong answer. There's no wrong answer here except the right answer. And the right answer is this. Because sin is seeking continually to destroy you. Does everybody understand that? Sennacherib wants to conquer your city. So we need to speak the word to one another to encourage them. To be fortified in the word. Because if he helped the children of Israel in the Old Testament, surely he's going to help the bride in the New Testament. It's a law. We need to exhort one another in the faith. Why? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. I think I mentioned too a couple services ago. There was a school in New York. I think they, it's a Hasidic uh, a school for the Jews, Jewish uh, young men, and they go to school and study the Torah only for 14 hours a day. The Torah. They study 14 hours a day. They don't even hardly teach them English. That's natural. I'll just leave that there because I want to speak comfortably. Anybody know who Matthew Henry is? Not, not Patrick Henry, but Matthew Henry. He is a historian and commentator on the Bible in back, I believe, in the 17, 1800s. And Matthew Henry, he writes regarding this, he says, an evil heart of unbelief is at the bottom of all sinful departure from God. I thought that was worthy of quoting, and I just did. So he says, an evil heart of unbelief is at the bottom of all sinful departures from God. It is a leading step to apostasy. And you, you watch people over these years. I've watched people that I grew up with came to Bible Way when I was at the house, came to the log church, left this church, and they've got tatties of swastikas all over their neck. The unbelief will lead you to apostasy. So now, 
Well, they're free and liberal to believe what they want to believe. Are they better off today? Of course not. But Satan came and a spirit of unbelief attaches themselves. And because that spirit of unbelief takes a hold of that person, it then is a step towards apostasy. If we allow ourselves to distrust God, you will soon leave God. It's either faith or unbelief. If you allow yourself to distrust, listen, I would prefer people, if they don't understand something, just say, I don't understand. There's a lot of things Jesus did. I'm sure the disciples sat back there. I don't understand. But it didn't waver their faith. It didn't waver their faith. Many things over my little short, short journey. And I have, a, I have a, 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 um, an imaginary wall unit in my mind. And there's things that I don't understand. Somebody asked me the other, uh, maybe a couple months ago, Brother Tom, what about this? What do you think about that? I said, I don't know. And they were shocked. They said, what do you mean you don't know? I don't know. You can say that. You, you can say that. I don't know. Pray. Ask God. Let God reveal it to you. I'm not going to be a Pharisee for you. I'm not going to say one thing when it's another thing. I'm going to say what the prophet said. And if God can take over that vessel, I'll stick with that vessel. People say, well, that's blind ignorance. I'll take it. Thank you very much. I have a beautiful wife. I have three lovely sons. I got three lovely daughter-in-laws and phenomenal grandsons and granddaughters. I'll take that. I'll take that. Because my promise is unto you. Is that your promise? Is that it, Michael? Do we actually believe that these 40-some years? We believe that? It's unto you and to your children and to your children's children. I will rest comfortably. And thus saith King Jesus. So now people, I'm, I, I really, really don't care. I don't care. Any, I, I don't even know. What to, see, I told you I was ignorant and unlearned. I don't even have the right words to say. I don't care what your opinion is. Your opinion leaves you in a quagmire. Why do I want to get in your quagmire? I love to walk with the Lord and when he reveals it to me, praise the Lord. I, I, you know, I get a kick out of these people that want to slam this and slam that. They don't know what they're talking about. They absolutely don't. And does it, is their unbelief carried them towards God? No. Thank you, Brother Ernie. That should have been all the way around here, but has it brought them closer to God? Has it brought their children? Where are their children? What are they living like? Because they've disbelieved, their children double disbelief. I'm sorry, friends. That's what happens. You might as well tell it like it is, but Jeremiah says it's better than me. He says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man. That's your Bible. You can either trust yourself in the Lord or you can trust yourself in man. I'll take God any day. 
Listen, saints, when God starts dealing with a young man and a young lady, I didn't care what my mommy and daddy thought. I didn't care what they thought. When God was dealing with me, I said, goodbye, daddy. Goodbye, mommy. I'm following Jesus. Because I will not trust in the ideologies of man, but I'll trust in the thoughts of God. Cursed. Jeremiah writes in your Bible, Brother Caleb. He said, cursed be the man that trusts in man and maketh flesh his arm. And whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath in the desert and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places of the wilderness in a salt land not inhabited. That's theirs. Blessed be the man that trusteth in the Lord, whose hope, Brother Ryan, is in the Lord forevermore. So can I call you then? Blessed. Does anybody here know what blessed means in the Greek? Blessed. Marconius, I think it is. It's really pulling back from years ago. Blessed are your eyes, for they see. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed. Every time that word blessed comes into your Bible, that means not because of circumstance. You're not blessed because of circumstance. You're blessed because there's a seat. That's what the Bible's all about. Seed. Every seed will bring forth of its kind. You're blessed because God put a seed in you. Not blessed because, oh, I've got money in the bank or my job is secure. Yeah, I, I, I have a little home right now. Those are blessings. But blessed is the man who puts his trust in the Lord. Blessed is that seed gene of God. Hallelujah. Are you ready? Are you ready for the attack? Remember now, I said for years ago, that you take 1962 was all preparation for the warfare that was going to come in 1963 through the opening of the seals. You go back, you go look at the titles in 1962. God of this evil, no, I'm sorry, no. Uh, greatest battle ever fought. God versus Satan. Wisdom versus faith. Whole armor of God. Putting on the armor of God. It's all to do with warfare that was coming because when those seals were going to open, when those trumpets was going to sound, it was a sound of warfare. But saints, in this warfare, there's only one group of people that win. To him that the book is given to. Because those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life cannot be deceived. They will know the number of the beast. Sennacherib's coming. Brother Ram said, see, it's his attack. I want you to watch and listen close. His attack is what? Disbelief in God's word. That's why you're to exhort continually. Exhort your children. Bring them around you. Don't force them out the door. Encourage them in the faith. Build them up in the Word of God. Oh, if they start dressing a little bit different, exhort them. Come on, exhort them. 
you see haircuts coming. They're weird haircuts. I don't want to look like the world. I don't want Hollywood to influence me. Come on, daddies. You've got children growing up. You say, well, i got little children. You wait till they're big children. You better encourage them in the faith now. That's why we have family camp now. Disbelieve God's word. That's his attack. There. Can you see where the greatest battles ever fought? There's only two forces. What are they? Satan and God. What is Satan's weapon against you? Is to try and get you to disbelieve your weapon. Listen, saints. Listen, listen. If this message is not a revelation to you, your house is going to fall. Because God builds His church on revelation. It's not you adopting the idea of the message. Come on. It's not you disagreeing because this is what I do. This is where God births you into the kingdom and you become a son of God because you always were a son of God and you're blessed because that seed was always in you. And now that word in you fights Satan. When he comes with his unbelief, Brother James, he comes with his doubting spirit. You tell him, you go back to where you were. I know what I was and I know what I am. Come on. I know what I was. And the spirit of unbelief made me that way. I went to church, church. Why? Because my soul was longing for something. People say, well, you know, now I, I just believe Jesus. I don't know what Jesus you believe. Because there's a Baptist Jesus, there's a Presbyterian Jesus, there's a Methodist Jesus, there's a Catholic Jesus. What Jesus are you talking about? I'm talking about King Jesus, which is the Word of God. They don't even know if he's one, two, or three. That's true, Brother Ernie. They don't know if they're praying to the Holy Ghost. But I better give time to the Father. It's craziness. But people swallow it. What do they do with the Scripture? Without holiness, no man shall see God. And they walk into church with short shorts, halter tops, huh? chains down their neck, tank tops. Listen, this message is not casual. This message isn't casual. It's intense. It's intense. So now there's two forces against you. To cause you to doubt it, Nathan. Or for, now the other forces to believe it. It's your choice. You're a free moral agent. It's not what Brother Tom says. Not what any minister says. It's what you believe. What God shows you. It's not a pat on the back and you can make it now. Oh, sister dear, I know your troubles and woes. <laughs> don't tell me you don't do that. Exhort one another. Sister, we're called to a higher calling than that. We take God at His promise. I claim the Word of God for you. I encourage you in the faith. 
We're standing true. Let's pray together. Let's find that spirit. We're in a warfare, right, Brother John? Are we in a warfare? We're in a warfare. He's listening real good right now. So you might as well tell him, you can't have this city. You can't have my city. He's listening right now. You tell him, listen right now. If he can get you to disbelieve your weapon, it's not equivalent to withstand him and get you to believe your weapon's not strong enough, then he's got you disarmed. I was right, or typing that down, and I was thinking about the time I was just installed as a deacon. Oh, and at, and by the way, in its first beginnings, that we had some challenges, mostly us. But we believed. We believed from cover to cover. We believed the message from inside and out. Like Brother Ken said, we were very fervent. The message was right, but our delivery system was probably a little bit haywire. <laughs> I love that quote, Ken. Love it. And we were fervent. I think we left more people bloodied all over the place. But now we're, we're learning how to do it with a scalpel. But I was a deacon, and there's this fellow that used to frequently try and come to church, and he was uh, a mental, uh, in a mental institution. And um, I had, the church had started, and we were at the log church, and I was at the back door, and I just peeked out to see if anybody was coming, and here he comes. And, um, and I, uh, I said, oh, brother, what am I going to do, Lord? He's coming full faith. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, why don't you just stop right there? And he says, and then this hideous voice came out at me, and he started foaming at the mouth. And so I just said to him, I said, you're not going in there. He says, yes, I am. He says, and I'm going to put my fist right through your head. How do you like that? That's my Sunday morning. You're all sitting here, praise the Lord. <laughs> my Sunday morning, I got this demon once put a fist right through my head. So he, he's getting ready to do that. And I'm, I, you know, I mean, I, he just, the Lord is so gracious, right? What am I going to do, duck? <laughs> of course I'm going to duck. And I looked at him, and I said, Satan, I rebuke you. He turned around and walked away. And I said, Lord, your word is true. It's not inability. It's you standing and trusting in the Lord. You'll never feel like you're super spiritual. You need to lean on him. Trust in him. It's not our ability to say, we're strong, we can do that. No, our strength, our trust is in the Lord. But don't you let Satan in this age, Paul writes in Galatians 3 and 1, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth and crucified among you. This only would I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Who hath bewitched you? 
When Paul himself says, even if another angel preach anything different than what I preach, let him be accursed. There is a messenger standing in their hour. And yet there was a church of Galatians that was bewitched. When the word was coming through God's vessel. Who hath bewitched you. That bewitched means who traduced you or seduced you. Who told you lies about somebody damaging their reputation. You might as well call the devil what he is. And his same tactics in Galatians is the same one that's in Laodicea. They're bewitched in the faith. Seduced by Satan. Taking that one step of unbelief. Leading now into a world of apostasy. And now because that spirit is on them. That bewitched means that he will be someone who will tell lies and damage one's reputation. Tell me where you'll find Brother Branham doing that. Come on. There's our example today. Tell me where Brother Branham ever tore somebody down. He always gave them, God bless you, my dear brother. One time, I think it was in Soul Center in prison, he spoke against Brother David Duplessis and he said, please forgive me. I mentioned the brother's name. I shouldn't have done that. And yet bewitching spirits go around, ruining reputation. That is Satan. Don't you give heed. Does everybody in the balcony understand that? It's very clear. Separate yourself from all unbelief. Amen. Amen. Be strong. Be courageous. Don't be afraid or dismayed at these demons that have been loosed in Laodicea. You have God in you. He defeated him in the beginning, and he'll defeat him at the end. Those are hard words. Not against God's children, but against Satan's kingdom. You go to any preacher that does want want to believe this message, they're not going to speak kindly of you. They'll put you down. They'll call you cult. Look at those sisters. There's not even a a stitch of makeup on them. Like, that's something. Look at those brothers. They look clean. Look at our young man. I'm proud of you. Look at you. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. This is what Jesus does. Come on, Michael. David, you're still young. Come on, Michael. Every young man that's under 20, you stand up.
I love what Brother Bram said. Where are those young men that will stand with me? I want you to say, I will. Brother Bram said, I stand in a terrible place. But where are those men? I was once young, but now I'm old. But he's still marching on. His truth is marching on. He's marching in you. God bless you. Hallelujah. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm old now, so I'm speaking to myself. We're not a bunch of church of old people. Huh? Because I look at that youth and I say, ah, I love that strength. But use it for God. Young ladies, we're proud of you also. And I will give you a hand clap. You're beautiful. In the beauty of holiness. Don't you ever listen to what they try to tell you. Listen, those, those poor people with Max Factor. Well, I don't even know what it's called Max Factor anymore. What's it called? Don't tell me. I won't listen to you for a moment. But whatever it is, they are on a terrible treadmill. Because they're only, they think they only look good for a year. After that, there's another young bunch coming up. So then they got to do their tux and Botoxes and their messes. And then, and then, saints, what have they got? What have they got at the end of the day? What have they got? And then they, then they say, oh, you look like you came off the, the ark. Hey, I wouldn't mind coming off the ark. <laughs> that means that you're alive. <laughs> Somebody said, you know, your sisters, they look like they came off the ark. I said, praise God. Glory. They think it's a derogatory mark, and I take it as a victory. Look at them. I said, yeah, look at them. You're just jealous because you can't live like them. And they can't even live like them. It takes Jesus on the inside to live like them. Why? They're standing on the words of King Jesus. Hallelujah. Paul was terribly honest with them. Terribly honest. Spoke very straight to them. He wasn't patting on the back and advancing their views. Oh, just go listen to that garbage. No. Paul said, never. And he calls it what it is. He calls it witchery. And he calls it of the devil. That's what he calls it. The natural wisdom of man is no better than the trickery of some old witch leading them to their rock and roll. You ask them next time when they want to put down the prophet, you ask them what kind of music you're listening to. Just ask them what kind of music you're listening to and don't you lie to me. You bring them up short. Oh, I listen to, you know, soft rock. It's like Brother Tim Pruitt says, 
Have you ever found a soft rock? Every rock I found was pretty hard. But their music, Brother Bram said, they're dancing to rock and roll, and the witch was leading them to destruction. So now you have the Paul, a first age messenger, telling you that it's witchcraft and of the devil. And the prophet at this age telling you that witch is going to lead you to hell. Now let's get off the negative and let's get back onto the positive. When they went to get Jesus and the soldiers came back empty handed. And they started to tell the Sanhedrin and the, and the council that he does these mighty signs, wonders, and miracles. And they said, you, you believe him too? Amen. You believe him too? Amen. I love what they said here. This is what they said in John 7:46. And the officers answered and said, never a man spake like this man. That was God in flesh. That was Almighty God coming down in a generation to redeem fallen man. So that you would not rest yourself on the trust in the words of a man, but now you're trusting your words in God Himself. Hallelujah. Then a prophet comes around and says this. Everybody listening still? Tired? I know you had a long night at the, at the wedding. And a long weekend, people worked hard, Brother John, to make it a wonderful day. But this is wonderful. Not that I'm speaking that's wonderful. It's the Word that's wonderful. Never a man spake like this man. And then in this generation, we don't have to look back to 2,000 years. We're coming right down to your address, Andrew. And this is what a prophet said. God would never testify or vindicate a lie. God can't do that. God will always vindicate truth and never a lie. It's whether they understand truth. And what they don't understand, they call a lie. But God does not vindicate lies. God is not the author of lies or confusion. Never a man spake like this man. But the Bram says, well... Millions have been healed. Everybody says, well, you know, we got healing all the day. Listen, there was nobody on spearheading this but the prophet. Millions have been healed. When Pentecost was falling, God was doing a miraculous healing through the nations. The Spirit of God was falling on all flesh. But now God sent a prophet to spearhead this revival. And through that ministry, 
He says, well, millions have been healed tonight. I guess if it was called worldwide for statements, there would be millions of people. Deaf, dumb, blind, crippled, twisted. All kinds of diseases would stand with statements healed by the power of God. One of them would be a confirmation. But millions will stand. So if you're an unbeliever, now here he comes. If you're an unbeliever, I'm sorry for you. He said, my heart bleeds for you. Because you can't help that. You were born to that destination. You were born to be an unbeliever. You're lost. Very, very doubtful you'll ever be saved. Because the Bible said that these people were foreordained of old to take this place. Because they would not rest on the words of King Jesus Christ. So can I say to you this morning, be strong, be courageous, don't be afraid, don't be dismayed, for the king of Assyria were no for all the multitude that was with him, all those demons that are here today, there are more for us than with Satan's kingdom. Do we have a few more minutes? You just got a few more minutes? That was 50% amen, so I'll, I know I got... I'll cut time in half. But let, let, let's turn back to Second Chronicles. I really want to build you up into the faith this morning. I really want you to take courage in the Word of God. I really want you to stand on the Word of God. Because we're not looking at the negative, we're looking at the positive. We see the negative, we'll call what the negative is, no different than King Hezekiah did. <laughs> you're, back, you're back there, right? You're back in Second Chronicles? So then, here comes King Sennacherib, verse 9, 32 and 9. After this did Sennacherib, king of Assyria, send his servants to Jerusalem. And he himself laid siege against Lachish and all its power with him. Unto King Hezekiah, king of Judah, and to all Judah that were at Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the devil. Uh-huh. He's the son of sin. Thus saith the son of sin, the king of Assyria. Whereon do you trust that you're able, or you're, that ye abide in the siege in Jerusalem? Doth not Hezekiah persuade you to give over yourselves to die by famine and by thirst, saying, The Lord our God shall deliver us out of the hand of the king of Assyria. What is he trying to do? He's trying to cause doubt. Trying to cause doubt. But you know why the people wouldn't believe the statements? 
of the devil? Do you know why? Let's turn back to Second uh, Chronicles 31, just before 32, verse 11, or 21. And in every work that Hezekiah did in restoring back the kingdom, in every work that he began in the service of the house of God, in the law, and in the commandments, of, in the commandments to seek his God, he did it with what? And what? The people saw it wasn't him telling them to do something. What his words were was his action. There's many men can preach, but if their actions behind what they're preaching doesn't match, the people will have no confidence. And that's why we've had such a tremendous pastor. We've seen a man of God who's done it with all his heart to spread this gospel. Amen. And this work has indeed prospered. Saints of God, we need to keep the torch going strong. Hallelujah. That we ourselves would do this with all our heart. Not just saying something and living something different. Because if your life matches up to your testimony, it impacts the seed genes of God. Some brother comes up to me and they start a negative thought towards Brother Biscoll. You know what I say to him? Get thee behind me. I don't mess around. I'm sorry, saints of God. I don't have time for it. I don't have time for it. Do you know he's not always right? What are you trying to do to tear him down? Well, that's witchcraft to me. You might, you know, well, whoever says amen, why don't you sit over on this side so I can preach over here? No, I'm serious here. I'm serious for the kingdom. I'm serious for this message. This message, it wouldn't even be out and about and what it's doing around the world. If it hadn't been a man that's your pastor, had this vision to see this message go around the world. There's many people that sit in their churches and go fishing on Monday, hunting on Tuesday, and doing this. But we've had an example that was consumed. Why? He got this message out. Why? Because it was with all his heart. I listened to Brother Brown the other day, and it just tears me up. Tears me up. He says, I was in a meeting for 15 nights. And then I started to look it up. He did a meeting for 21. I did a, I did, and Lord forgive me for this. I said, I wonder what it's like to preach 21 times in a row. Watch what you desire. Murphy will get you preaching 21 times in a row. I thought, I wonder what that's like, Brother John. 21, and you know me, I don't have half gear. So, first service is going to be all I got. Second service, tenth service, Brother Glenn's there, he knows that you're going to preach all that you got. Because it might be the last service. All the last service. So about the 15th service, I go, boy, I'm pretty tired. I'm 60. I got to about 18. And I hit the wall. I'll never forget it. Because I never know what that saying was until it happened. I hit the wall. I could not. I couldn't put a smile on my face. And that's pretty tough for me. I couldn't put a smile on my face. 
I couldn't even get upbeat. And that's pretty terrible for me. And Murphy comes in the room and says, well, let's go. You got another service today. And I just looked at him. He said, let's go. And I looked at him one more time. He said, you know, Murphy, if you say that to me one more time, I'm getting on a plane and leaving. He said, what happened to Brother Tom? I said, Brother Murphy, I said, I've never been here before. I can't do it. So I said, you're going to have to take it. So he did. And then I had some time, I had some time with the Lord. I think I mentioned it to you a few years ago. I said, all of a sudden I knew. So the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. Said the saints are praying for you back home. And a wave of God's presence came in that room. Knocked all that doldrum away. Knocked it all away. Never had it since. But it was as real, as real today as it was then. And then I hear a prophet, 21 days. He says in one vision, one vision, John, tears me up more than two hours of preaching. And I thought, oh God, Brother Ernie, that man of God did this with all his He gave it with all his heart. Saw men sacrifice and give their lives for this gospel. That's my God. And those are my men of God that I will stand behind. And then Brother Bram said, where are those Matthew, or those Patrick Henrys? I said, Brother Bram, you're one. Brother Biscoe, you're another. Brother Joke is another. There's men of God around the world. And I said, Lord, may I carry their Bibles? May I do whatever I can do? I want to be one of those few. One of those few that can hold the Word of God. That I've trusted in the words, not just of man, because I don't look at the words of William Branham as the words of man, and I don't look at the words of Brother Biscoe as the words of a man. I'm sorry, I don't even hold the words of a man for Brother John. Brother Ernie, Brother Tim. I have to believe that God is using men of God. And if I can believe with them with all my heart, then by God's grace we shall prosper. Prosper in the Lord. Prosper defeating Satan and his tactics. Binding Satan where he needs to be bound. Coming against evil when it needs to be stood against. Brother Bram said in spiritual amnesia, now to be a true Christian... You have to be the same. And now we're coming down to where you're at, saints. We're talking about many things this morning. But now you have to believe that what that word says you are, you are. Don't put it off till tomorrow or next week or next month. Brother Bram said, if you are identified with this word, he says to be a true Christian, You have to be the same. And you know what? I'll just throw one out for this church. This is for Cloverdale Bible Way. Brother Bram said, watch your pastor. You'll be just like him. Then if he gives his everything. Come on. I want the men of this church to say amen. If he gave everything for this message. What should we do? 
give our whole heart. Nobody said this was going to be a bed of ease. Give our whole heart. If we're identified with it. Here's the definition of identified with something. Be identified with something means you're identical to. Uh Oh, how many Spider-Man outfits do you see today? There must be a movie out, Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man... They're going to have 20. But every boy has to have either a Batman, Spider-Man, whatever creepy crawly they got these days. And they put their suits on. And as soon as that suit's on, you know what they think they are? Them. Mm -hmm. They're identified to it. In their imaginary mind, they're scaling 50-story buildings. I, uh, you know. And that's, hey, we got it in golf. Everybody puts on Nike, they think they're a Tiger Woods. And who wants to be him? Terrible lives. We idolize these people. And if you look at their life, I don't care what basketball star, hockey star, golf star, I don't care what kind of star. You know, I remember one time they called, the first time I heard it, I was so grieved. They called Wayne Gretzky the great one. Don't tell me they didn't take that trying to displace God. That's their hockey God. The great one. There's only one great one, and that's the Lord Jesus. But they identify with it. They wear their clothes. They act like Him. They swagger like them. They emulate them. But I'm identified with the Word. I put on the Word. I dress the Word. I act the Word. I speak the Word. I believe the Word. Amen. We're identified with Him. All that He was, Brother Brown said, all that Jesus was. Are you ready for it? Brother Jones, here is for you. All that he was, Brother Bram now making, he's identified with it, I am. All that he was, I am. I'm identified with him. I'm identified with him. Notice, he's in me and I'm in him. Come on. Come on. That's our identification now. We're going to stand on this word, aren't we? We're going to stand on this word. Amen. We're going to believe it. We're going to believe the word of God. And the people rested upon the words of Hezekiah. I'm resting on the words of Malachi 4. I'm resting on the words of Jesus Christ. All that he is. All that he is. I am. Notice. He is in me. And I'm in him. Notice that every Christian that's ever a real Christian was with him when the morning star shouted for joy. Or sang together and the sons of God shouted for joy. Before there was a foundation of the world, we were identified in those immortal rounds with him. This sounds like it's beautiful. Ten million years before the world was ever formed. 
I was back there with him. I was with him when he called Abraham. <laughs> Where you got your origin? From him. So now, saints of God, give me five more minutes if you don't mind. We are, Brother Bram said, adoption uh, four, part four. He says, look, we're predestinated now to this inheritance. If I'm a right inheritance of something, if God is knocking at my heart and saying, William Branham, I called you long before the foundation of the world to preach the gospel, I have that inheritance. An inheritance of eternal life. Now, God has sent Jesus to make this inheritance. I'm going to rest on this word right now. He sent Jesus, Brother Milko, to make this inheritance real to me. Because there's nothing I could do to inherit it. You can't merit it. You inherit it. To be what? An inheritance to a sonship. To be a son of God. You need to be encouraged. And I'll save another part for another day. But you just need to be encouraged. And Hezekiah encouraged the people. And Joshua encouraged the people. And David Encourage the people. Christopher Columbus. Encourage the people. John Wesley. Anybody know who. Uh, William Wilberforce is. We got one two. Anybody else three four. You stick it up. You know. If you do. You don't. If you don't. That's, you don't. You do. You do. Anybody know who. William Wilberforce is. Okay. So you, there's quite a few people like that. Now, he is spearheading, he is spearheading a movement to destroy slavery in England. He is, he is consumed with it. And the establishment is putting him down, knocking him down, tearing him down. They are speaking ill of him. But he had a mission. Abolish it. It's wrong. Period. Exactly. So now he's going to move a movement against all odds. Nobody wanted to back him up. But he had a mission. He had a mission. He needed encouragement. He was a part of the British parliamentary system and he was going to abolish slavery. But he was discouraged as Sennacherib would start voicing, are you really going to believe we've conquered everybody? And we're going to conquer you. He didn't care if the whole world believed in it. He was against it. 
You know, the Bible goes on to say, by the way, if you want to read all that account of Hezekiah, you know, the devil, the devil. Here, here's a good one for you. This is a freak because I, I won't revisit this one again. Sennacherib started to get his learned men that spoke Jew, Jewish, Hebrew, and was now speaking Hebrew to the children of Israel in Jerusalem, trying to convince them, hey, we're, we're, we can speak your language too. Just surrender. Well, that's what the message is. People that go and leave, they'll use message lingo, trying to discourage you. I tell you, deny it. It's a perversion of what you believe. I want to encourage you in this. Though the whole world be against it, William Wilberforce fought this. You say, well, Brother Tom, he did it for a year. He did it for two. He did it for five. He did it for ten. He did it for twenty. He did it for thirty. He did it for forty. Forty-five years. But finally, he believed what he stood for, and they caved in, and he conquered it. Do we believe what we believe? I don't care if the whole world is against it. I'll stand on thus, saith the Lord. But he did need an encouragement. And so he was so discouraged in 1791. A good friend of Wilbur Wilberforce was John Wesley. John Wesley heard of his discouragement. And when he was on his deathbed, Wesley's deathbed, he penned a piece of paper with trembling hand. Unless God has raised you up for this thing, you'll be worn out by the opposition of men and devils. If you've been called to this saints, we're going to get worn out. But let's give it a fight. Let's stand on thus saith the word. If natural men can fight for a cause, can't we fight for this message? He said, unless God has raised you up for this thing, you'll be worn out of the opposition of men and devils. But if God be for you, if God be for this message, who can be against it? Who? If God's for it, who's going to be against it? All of them, are they stronger than God? But do not weary in well-doing. Go on in the name of God and in the power of His might till every American slavery shall vanish before it. Though Wesley died less than a week after writing the letter, he remained an inspiration to William Wilberforce through the years of disappointment after disappointment, after disappointment, after disappointment. But Wilberforce fought for 45 years. And in 1833, three days before his own death, it was abolished. Glory! That's a marvelous thing, saints. A man with a vision. And God backed his vision. God had a man with a vision in this hour. There will be a bride. And you might as well say, I am the bride. There will be a rapture. You can say, I am the rapture. This day, this prophet.
prophecy is being fulfilled in your ears. This day, I believe this message. I'll stand with it, saints. Though it brings disappointment and heartache, I'll stand on thus saith the Lord. How many will stand with me this morning and say, I agree. I believe. I accept it. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. Then I just started to pen down. I'm sorry, I got page after page after page after page. Well, I'm scaring you now, but don't get scared. I'm looking for one page. I'll find it here. Victory is ours. He will have a bride. Brother Bram said, don't you worry. I'm not worried. It's prophesied. There'll be a church ready in this last age. And the bride hath made herself. There will be a resurrection of the dead. Amen. There will be a millennium. There will be a heaven and a new heaven and a new earth. There will be a change in the bodies. There will be a rapture. And I am that rapture this morning. Hallelujah. God sent his messenger and vindicated truth. Sister Eileen came up for prayer last week. She said before she come up for prayer, she said before I come up for prayer, I believe God's going to heal me. Hallelujah. Isn't that right, Sister Eileen? And there she was. She was having cramps and muscle spasms and pain and everything. She started to walk up here. Brother Murphy and I prayed. She met me on Wednesday night. She said, Brother Tom, I haven't had one. This is the children's bread. This is the children's bread. It comes by believing the word. We talked about Sister Fortune to those that were here on Wednesday night. God, she heard she's coming down to the wire. People are telling her she's got this scheme and this idea to try and keep her here. But God comes right on time, every time, and gives her an invitation to apply for her permanent residence. That's our God. But it doesn't stop there. Brother EBA. Uh, we, we can't forget you, Brother UVA. He's at my car every weekend. He said, Brother Tom, we got to do something. we got to pray. we got to do this. But God's right on time, isn't he, Brother UVA? Huh? God makes a way, doesn't he? When it seems impossible, God makes a way. And then I started to list it out. We've got children here where we have parents that couldn't have children. We got people here healed from cancer. We got people here healed from arthritis. We got people here all over the place. Oh, well, let me just show the devil. How many of us have received healing from our lovely Lord Jesus? Well, one day there's going to be one great big healing. That's called a change in your body. Never to have an ache or pain again. They'll be singing. They'll be shouting. We'll be rejoicing. Why? Because we stood on the Word. Praise the Lord. Musicians, please come. Hallelujah. His truth is still marching on. Can I ask you this question? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? No, sir. 
Our God is more than able to defeat the devil. He can speak in Jewish. He can speak in English. He can speak in French. He can speak in any language. But I'm not going to listen to him. I don't care what language you speak. The devil will come in your language and try to give you some unbelief. You just say, devil, that's witchcraft. And I rebuke that witchcraft. When he starts to say a negative thing about a brother... You don't listen to him and you tell him. I'll deny that thing. Somebody speaks against a sister. You rebuke that thing. Let's walk in the truth. Let's walk in the light. Let's walk in victory. You love the Lord this morning. I'm sure you do. Amen. Why? Because the Bible says he will establish you. He will keep you steadfast. He will give you strength. And the Greek says, He will guarantee your vindication. God's going to guarantee. And it's unconditional guarantee. Doesn't matter what it is. Every promise in the book is yours, Brian. Don't ever be discouraged. Get in the Word, get in the message. Get before God. Claim what's yours. As I said to the couple the other day, that everybody says, well, marriage was, our marriage was made in heaven. And I believe everybody here that's married could say that. But then there's a little um, line underneath. You're the ones that need to maintain it. Then you get on your knees for them. You call on God for them. You call a halt to this thing. You stand on the promises. Take God at His word. Amen. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Hallelujah. Do we sing that little chorus as we get ready to pray? Um, the God of the mountain is the God of the valley. We sing that. We have that. Maybe there's somebody here that hasn't held on to the word of that you should have. You felt encouraged in the word of God this morning to stand and be stable and realize the God of the invisible is the God that walks with me. And I take this situation under my control because that's what we've been preaching on. The anointing is not the emotion but is now taking control of the situation. And you want to take control of your situation this morning. If you want to lift up your heart and your hand to Him and say, Lord, Jesus, I've been encouraged by the Word of God. I'm going to take control of the situation. I'm anointed to. doesn't matter what the enemy says. I deny the devil. You brothers have children that aren't serving God this morning. I think you'd want to throw up both hands. And maybe a mother just wants to say, I, I believe for the children you've given me. It's not you're raising it to Brother Tom, you're raising it to the Lord Jesus Himself. If God could give you that kind of faith to believe. Heavenly Father, with hands raised, you indeed 
are a very present help in time of trouble. Lord, we've looked at the Word and we can rejoice in maybe the days gone by of many men and women who have found the victory. But Lord, may there be men and women of faith this morning that can reach up their hands and hold on to that promise and say, Lord God, I claim my situation. Though the devil tell me I can't have them, I resist him in Jesus' name. I claim my healing in Jesus' name. I claim my husband in Jesus' name. I claim my wife in Jesus' name. I claim my children for the glory of God in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have wayward loved ones of this message, Lord, who once stood in the assembly of the living God. Lord, you know your own. But we send the token after the redeemable, Lord, this morning. May we be like Jacob of old. I will not be denied. I don't do this by emotion. I do it by faith. I've heard the word. And if you could do it for Israel in Jerusalem at King Hezekiah's time, surely you can do it this morning for the bride elected chosen of God. I pray for every situation. Pray there be victory after victory, Lord. Lord, that we can lay it at your feet this morning and claim it in the name of Jesus Christ. Grant the desire of the hearts of your children, for you're more than able to do exceedingly and abundantly even more than we could ask or think. For we ask it in Jesus' name. And the church of God said... I receive it in the name of Jesus. The God of the mountain is the God of the valley. When things go wrong, think about it. He'll make it right.
God said, Amen. God of the mountains, the God of the valley. How many have found it so? How many found it so? Well, you call that the bad times down in the valley. I call that the good times. That's when God proves himself that he is God. Don't ever be defeated, saints. You are the victories. You are God's victory. Go in the name of the Lord Jesus. Pray for camp this week. Friday night is a prayer meeting. I know we focus it towards the camp. Many as can make it, please come. We'll pray for our young people that God move in a supernatural way. That this message doesn't become a learning education, but it becomes a living experience of the God of reality. God bless you. Pray. Greet one another in the name of Jesus Christ. God be with you. There's a counselor's meeting immediately following in the chapel this morning. You're dismissed. Shalom. Till we meet again.